The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. In a world where big, scary movie villains delivered their threats in gentle and almost bemused tones while referencing old Disney songs in new and haunting ways... Two men sat down at their microphones and said, Hi diddly D. It's an actor's life for me. This is the Totally Super Podcast. <laughs> That's amazing. There That's you go. incredible. I love I let me just come right off at, right out of the bat and say I love James Spader so much. He is possibly one of my favorite actors ever. Yeah, no, and and I never watched uh, The West Wing, but I've seen a lot of his like weird movies. Um, if you, mm-hmm. well, if he, you he, like, if if you he got wasn't off in the West on, Wing, though, he wasn't. No, no, no he wasn't. The, um, West Wing. Boston I'm sorry, Legal was, was his big one. No, no, yeah, he was on the one with William Shatner. I'm sorry, yes, it was, but, um, yeah, uh, um, but it feels like that should be The West Wing, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, um, it really does. In, in many ways, yes. Um, uh, but uh, I have seen uh, Secretary. Um, which is sort of like Fifty Shades of Grey, but done better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, James Spader is amazing. Joss Whedon's amazing. This movie is, um, I think, much maligned. Who's so um, maligned? People go, I... uh, pe- people go oh, I did, that was the one that wasn't as good. I have, I have theories as to why people left with a slightly sour taste in their mouth. I will say, upon second viewing of this film... I like I, flat out. This is you know kind of spoilers for our ratings at the end. But essentially, um, how I felt about this movie after I left the theater versus how I felt about the original Avengers after I left the theater, my feeling about the original Avengers was better. How I feel about them in terms of ranking them after repeated viewings, I'm actually kind of leaning towards Age of Ultron. Yeah, there's there's so much uh to like here. Um but there are there are things to be concerned about, concerned about. So uh I think that uh the first thing we should do um is we should talk about where uh Marvel was uh at this point as opposed to where it was let's say before Avengers came out. First of all, Avengers was was the the big experiment, right? The the end of Iron Man, he, you hear the word yeah. Avengers and the proof and of concept. As um, as time goes on, you get uh, everything else. And the question is, is can you get all the stars together in a way that's going to work? And we talked about that and it did work. And it was so financially successful that it seemed like Marvel could do no wrong. Um, post Avengers, uh, you had uh, post Avengers, you had um, Iron Man three, which did very well financially, but is um, I, again, a polarizing film that not, uh, not everyone, Doug, um, Iron Man, uh, Iron Man three. You had Thor: The Lost mm-hmm. World, um, which again is is largely considered to be uh, the the worst of the Marvel movies. Is is mm-hmm. the is Thor: The Lost World? Um, I forget what you had right, but what did Ant Man? Ant Man had not yet come out at this point, right? What else? No, had you I had? don't think so. Uh, well, uh, you did have Winter Soldier. Oh. You had Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which was, in my opinion, one of the best of and um, most re- and most Marvel. reviewers, both amateur and professional, would agree with you. Like that, that got critical reviews as well as tremendous commercial success, if I remember. Um, 
what you had uh, um, afterward um, was uh, was criticism of the film for not being good. You had uh, you had. Um, I'm just looking. Oh, you had had Guard- Guardians of the Galaxy had just come out as well. Um, which mm-hmm. was astounding and really, really like everybody yeah. just blew everyone away. So you're at I mean, a point now thing. where you've made a Marvel had made a couple stumbles, but I mean, like Thor: The Lost World was not a. It's kind of like if or you the look Dark at World, Pixar sorry, Canon, the Dark World. Or sorry, so Thor: the, yeah. <laughs> Thor: The Lost World. That would also be awesome. Um, yes, <laughs> the because uh, it would be Thor fighting dinosaurs. And let's just take a moment and envision that. Okay, um, the uh, Thor: Dark World. It's. It kind of falls in the canon where, like, A Bug's Life does in Pixar. It is definitively not their best work, especially compared to, uh, you know, some of their true triumphs, like Up or Toy Story 3. But it's not that it's a sucky movie. It just was pretty decent. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. Um, uh, you also had had uh, worth noting uh, you had Captain America the Winter Soldier Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now on TV as well and did not right. initially get um, get the reception that that everyone kind of wanted um, it did had well to start off season. with and then um, and and then you know people started to fall away but this was this was the thing right we had got to Avengers Age of Ultron you had gotten uh, uh, the Avengers had had climbed up to become uh I think it was either at this point the first or the second highest grossing film of all time. I don't know if it if it surpassed uh, Avatar or not, but it's right there near the top. Um, mm-hmm. This is the movie that that needs to follow it up. Um, you also have for the first time, or, or the other thing that's very different from the Avengers is after the Avengers, they said, okay, now we have what phase two is and we have a phase three coming up and a phase four coming up after that. And so you do have a sense of, um, you do have a sense of Marvel is trying with each film. And this did happen to expand the universe a little more. And I think you're going to find some, um, some strain between the desire to tell the story and the desire to, to expand the universe. I feel like the the most the most obvious flaw that can be leveled against this film is it definitely has bloat. Yeah. And that bloat um, is predominantly for the sake of expanding the universe. Um and then you had uh following up and we'll talk about it when we get to it but we you had um a lot of criticism of Joss Whedon uh coming right after this film. Joss Whedon who had always been a paragon for feminism. Um you're now the for the first time you know, there's a question as to whether or not this film undercut some of the other things he um, he was going for. So, mm-hmm. um, so ultimately, the film is considered to be. Um, I, I hate to use the word disappointment. You know, how can you have a film that is disappointing that made what? What's its worldwide? Its worldwide yeah. was do do do. Give me one second. I think it's like one billion. One like one point. Oh, four billion. Yeah. One point one point four billion dollars worldwide um, on a uh, on a three hundred and sixteen million dollar budget. So, you know, it made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet uh, um, it was enough that uh, it broke Joss Whedon. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's worth no- it's worth noting that Joss Whedon, after doing Avengers, uh, went and did the lovely Much Ado About Nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I would say if you let's talk for a second about that. Um, of course you saw it. you and I met doing 
a theatrical show of Much Ado About Nothing. Um, uh, that's how you and I first met for the very first time. Um, and Joss did uh, basically at his house, got together his friends and shot a movie version of Much Ado About Nothing. Did you really briefly? Did you did you enjoy that film? Yes, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was definitively the most with the exception of Dr. Horrible, like the most low budget, deliberately low budget film that you could imagine um, a big time Hollywood director making. And I think there was some real deliberate sense. Of, I, I it, it was a charming film. In many ways, you could see, oh, this is the kind of film that a director makes when he or she wants to fall back in love with films again. Because this is the film that a broken artist makes in order to heal. Yeah. Um, and at the time, there was no sense publicly that it was broken. Um, I think as time goes on, it becomes clear that maybe he was more broken than we expected. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think that, that first of all, regarding that film, I think that film is the best introduction to Shakespeare. If nobody, if somebody has never seen Shakespeare, that is the film I would show them. I, uh, you know, I think that, uh, that the Romeo and Juliet with, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio is a little screamy. Um, I feel like that film really is, is Shakespeare for the masses. Um, which, you know, given that we also met at a theater company who the deliberate idea was to make Shakespeare for the masses. It is the most, the most in line with the philosophy of, of the director Lee who, who brought us together to begin with. So I, I, I adored it. So Joss comes back to this. Um, and we have uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Shall I make an attempt to give you the plot? Yeah, give it a go. This is, I can't guarantee that this is going to be one of those three-minute plots. Because this is, I think, the biggest criticism of the film. There's a lot of plot. Yeah. Um. By the time you get to the end of the film, do you even remember that the first 20 minutes was it about, about a guy named Strucker? Because, kind of not. Um. Okay, so... Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron starts off with an invasion, uh, an invasion by the Avengers of the stronghold of one Baron von Strucker, who has been experimenting uh, using the Loki Pokey stick on uh, two uh, unwitting teens with a hatred for Tony Stark, creating both uh, um, Vision, or not sorry, not Vision, cre creating both Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Quicksilver, totally different Quicksilver from the X Men. Um, and we'll talk about mm -hmm. it a little bit when we get to him. Um, uh, he creates Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, uh, but the Avengers want the Loki Pokey stick back. And so they invade in a very quip filled, fun filled, joke filled invasion that ends with the Scarlet Witch uh, messing with all their heads and taking the film into a dark and uh, into a dark, sad place. They all go back to Avengers Tower where uh where one of the uh where one of the uh iron legion which is a series of robots as you see in iron man 3 uh that tony has set up to work as limited ai to do the work of like avengers police um they come back into the uh they they, they come back into avengers headquarters and the ai from that interacts with 
the Mind Stone, which is inside of the Loki Pokey Stick, which is also a computer program that is able to interface with the AI of the Ultron program, which was an AI designed to be able to protect the world, I guess, by just having more Iron Legion, kind of. Um, within that, uh, it during a, a lovely party where we get uh, cameos by pretty much everyone in the Marvel Universe, including Stan Lee, um, uh, we get to the end of the said party and as the Avengers are having a lovely sit down, including uh, a beautiful half inch move of Thor's hammer by Captain America, um, mm -hmm. uh, Ultron is created out of uh, this AI after destroying Jarvis. Um, Ultron attacks the Avengers, then goes over to Wakanda, uh, a home of the Black Panther, um, to take vibranium from Ulysses' claw. But the Avengers now, show up there. Uh, Scarlet quick question. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, not to interrupt your flow because you're doing great. Um, do they even do they even call Ulysses' claw by name in this film? Yeah. Because I was listening I for it and I didn't hear it. Uh, I don't remember. It's a good question, but it is clearly mm -hmm. Ulysses' claw. Um, yeah. He's credited in the credits as Ulysses Cross Claw, so that's mm -hmm. who he is. Um, uh, they go, they, they go to Wakanda, and a battle ensues uh, where the Avengers uh, seem to win um, somewhat uh, until finally the Scarlet Witch comes in, messes with their heads, and again they they start falling by the wayside. But the the head that she messes with the most is the Hulk, and so Iron Man uh, goes and battles the Hulk in a massive Iron Man Hulk battle. Um, where eventually the Hulk is brought back under control. Uh, there becomes more of a question of whether or not they should, uh, of, of what they should do next. There's, there's lots of hand wringing um, in the midst of all of this. They try to heal Hawkeye using something that can generate tissue. You'll find out later that it can use vibranium to also generate sort of a robotic matter thing. Um, but now Ultron has gone to Sokovia and in Sokovia, he has decided to do things that we don't know. Eventually we find out that he was going to smash Sokovia into the world and destroy the rest of the world. Uh, there's a, in the midst of all of this, there is a robot body, a perfect robot body being created for, uh, Ultron, uh, that is his quote-unquote vision that's going to use the power of the Mind Stone to give him sort of ultimate power, but that is stolen in a, in a fight scene that is straight out of uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. It seems very, very much like our chase scene on the roads. So there's a big action scene there. Nat, uh, Black Widow, is captured. Um, the Avengers... Uh, oh, before that, we totally forgot there's 20 minutes at, at Hawkeye's house, which we can just sort of put aside, although it is maybe my favorite 20 minutes in the film. There's just not a lot of plot mm -hmm. to talk about there. Um, then they go to Sokovia, where they have to save the people and stop Ultron from smashing things. But before that, they bring vision to life because Thor had a vision of in a pool with Selvig. And, and Thor has decided for reasons that we don't really 100% understand to breathe life into Vision. Vision helps them battle all the Ultrons and they manage to get all of them save one. Tony stops uh, Sokovia from smashing into the earth um, and destroying all of mankind. They uh, Nick Fury and, and the Helicarrier comes back to, to evacuate uh, all the people of Sokovia. And then at the end... 
it's just one Ultron is left uh, who's decided not to put himself back into the internet or anything. He's just stored himself in one robot and Vision kills the robot after a beautiful scene and the Avengers all go their separate ways. But in the credits, you see that Thanos, who hasn't even been talked about, is deciding that he's going to quote unquote do it himself. Now. And scene. Now, if there's a problem with Avengers Age of Ultron, is that that plot is wackadoo. That the, is... I think that the big issue that they had to force in really comes into the Infinity Stones. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the only aspect of the plot that if I were just completely not up on the Marvel Universe at all, that would have just seemed completely out of left field was Thor going into the pool, learning about the Infinity Gems, and using that as a motivation for wanting to put the Infinity Gem in Vision. Like, if you removed all references to the Infinity Stones in this film, I think you would have a much tighter plot. Um, Sure. On the other hand, though, this film... I mean, in Marvel's defense, what they were trying, and what they have been trying to do for years, is something pretty much wholly never done before in cinema history, uh, which is treating all of these one time basically turning blockbuster film or treating blockbuster films as episodes in a miniseries where each film does have its own arc but there's something underlying that they're trying to put through everything and some films have done that with like you know yeah you know the, the movie trilogy concept has done that but never something of this scope uh they have not always done it in the most artful or subtle of ways uh age of ultron is an example of that um but, you know, well, we'll find out soon enough whether it was all worthwhile. Um, I I would say that 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 the the reference to all the Infinity Stones is a problem. I would say the um the the damseling of 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 Black Widow near the end of the film and Thor going off on his side mission at the end of the film. So basically, two of the Avengers are just kind of not there. Um, and mm-hmm. whatever they're, they're going through seems sort of shoehorned in at the end of the film is a problem. And frankly, it feels it feels like it's trying to be a James Bond movie a little bit. It feels like they're they're globe hopping from one place to another to have a big action scene. Um, mm, it's a good distinction. And and, you know, they 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 start off with, with you know big attack on a on on a base in the snow and now we're doing a a a big attack on a city in africa and now we're doing a a a big chase scene like it's it's there 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 are four major set pieces and then in the middle Mm -hmm. of all that you have minor set pieces like ultron's attack on the avengers and that like there are there are so many action set pieces in the film that i get a they're all done really well they're all done really well, but I get a little, you know, you you feel it coming and you feel that it's yeah, just well, like, look, they, I mean, this is ahead. like, honestly, age of, or, you know, Avengers was, if you had this, the, the original Avengers, was like if you had this perfectly portioned, uh, slice of rich chocolate cake and where just as you finished it, you were like, oh, that was amazing. Okay. I'm good. Um, Age of Ultron is, imagine if you had actually found a way to make a cake whose first few bites actually taste better than that first cake, 
But then you presented it in such a way where, wow, that is a huge portion size. And also, if you've included some of these other little snacks around it that on their own might be nice, but when combined with the cake, don't really do anything to enhance the experience. And then you have to eat the entirety of that cake. Now, bite per bite, that second cake is way tastier than the first one. But when everything is said and done, I can completely understand, you know, somebody sitting back and saying, wow, that was... uh, that was a lot to eat at one sitting. Yeah, no, it it was it for me. It was the because it's not that much longer than the original Avengers. For me, it feels like if I were to take your food analogy and move it to a multi course meal, and I go, the first Avengers is a perfectly wonderful multi course meal that has you know it has a wonderful salad and then it has a wonderful you know appetizer and it has a wonderful this and it has a wonderful that and then your dessert at the end is the attack on new york where you're like ah mm-hmm. finally this is what i've been waiting for like it's it's you know you know with keeping it rated pg you need the build up to have the climax um mm-hmm. and this felt very much like like it was here's a climax and another climax and here's another climax yeah. and here's another mm-hmm. like like everything is so I think big there was more there was also a sense of and i think this might have been the way why why people left sort of feeling a little bit weird but why going back and watching it again i didn't mind it as much um the first avengers yes it had some moments yes it had a touching death scene with phil colson and everything but for the most part the first Avengers was just a rollicking good time from start to finish. It was it was a great comic book film. Um, and whereas Age of Ultron is also really good. Age of Ultron arguably goes much further into character development than the first sure. Avengers did. But it is dark. It is definitively darker in so many ways than the first film was. Um, and if you are not expecting that, it can kind of blindside you. Um, now, yeah, going back, um, so so watching it again, remembering the darkness and knowing what to expect, it didn't bother me nearly as much as it did the first time around. So so let's agree that uh, maybe one too many set pieces, maybe one too many globe globe hopping, uh, mm-hmm. maybe one too many you know shove the larger story into the film. Um, and maybe some missteps with Thor and and Black Widow, which we'll get to when we get there. Um, mm-hmm. All that aside, um, a film where the acting is better, where the dialogue is better, where the characters are better, where the action, mm-hmm. with the exception of everything that happens uh, on the boat in uh, Wakanda. And I want to talk about like how that scene feels shoved in and seems unfinished because even the CGI in that scene is not very good. Um, but the, the action and the visuals, uh, throughout the film, uh, better, um, better in, in so many ways. Um, this is a film with, this is a film with bigger flaws and bigger victories than the first Avengers. Agreed. Agreed. And, and the first Avengers had a, a, um, you know, there was a, I don't want to say amateurish because it's not, you know, Joss not not amateurish, but there's a, there's a naivety to the naivety to the filmmaking in the first film where, it just seems like a guy having fun in a candy store. He's having a good time. Yeah. Um, and this film has way more polish to it. Um, so, so that also, I'm a big fan. You know, it's a, it's a reason why I love the Sam Raimi Iron Man films, for instance, or the Sam Raimi Spider Man films, for instance, because they have mm-hmm. an element of of just kind of 
bright-eyed, bright-eyed, hey, let's do this to them. Yeah. Um, um, where, and I think the first Avengers had that. Uh, it felt like a first or second time filmmaker, not someone who was, you know, knew what they were doing and, and was making, like, it's, 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 it's odd. So let's get, let's take it beat by beat. Um, uh, the first beat, of course, being uh, the attack on Baron von Strucker. Um, this was, uh, Strucker- I loved this as watching it. And again, yeah. the, uh, again, what we talked about in the last episode about, uh, you know, um, Joss Whedon's uh, cinematographic eye is quite good. Um, the, you know, opening up with essentially what, yes, is very clearly a CGI enhanced and created uh, one camera shot, but it's a one camera follow shot for a whole lot of this battle um, where, you know, the camera zooms in on, you know, on one of the heroes doing something and fighting and then it pulls back and zooms in on somebody else. So, you know, there's no cuts, which is always a fun little conceit. Uh, And then it just culminating in... You know, as you know, just just uh, coincidentally enough, all of the heroes are there and they're all leaping through the air as the camera sweeps by them and they're all side by side. And the camera just pauses just for a moment to create that splash screen shot um, and then continues into the action again. Which right is, off the bat. That's your splash can, page from a comic book. Like that's, that's exactly what, that's what you're waiting for. Right. Off, and so essentially right off the bat. um, this movie has so essentially we waited the entirety of Avengers one for a splash page like that. And right off the bat, this film gives it to us, which I think is good. See, that's, um, you know, that's just a good way for sequels to do it. It's, it's saying right off the bat, Hey, you wanted more of this. Here it is. Um, that's not to say that they're, you know, that's not to say that the movie's not going to go into new and, Try to do new. Well, fresh I think things, that's important but... because of the way the, the the way the film goes. The film starts off and goes, "Hey, here's more of this. Here's here's mm-hmm. here's we're jumping you right back into exactly what you expect from the Avengers because you, yeah, you can't, yeah, because you can't, you can't, you can't take a sequel and go back to square one. Yeah, um, they're, and they're, well, yeah. except that the, this one, this one goes back to the last square of the last sequel, and that's what I love. Yes. They go up. It's jokey. Mm-hmm. It's light. It seems, you know, the villain doesn't seem all that daunting. You know, the villain mm-hmm. is kind of comical. You know, I, I love I love the no surrender. I am going to surrender. So, I'm going to surrender. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. The whole language uh, thing. Oh, uh, Joss, Whedon's di- Joss Whedon's dialogue sparkle. I mean, it was, you could see his dialogue in the first film. Oh, man, does it just sparkle across the entirety of this script. Especially in this opening scene. This opening scene is your textbook uh funny quippy jokey joss whereas mm-hmm. whereas later you get into you know later seasons of buffy joss um yeah well it's uh, it's uh, i like it. it's the opening scene textbook it's textbook quippy and quirky followed by also textbook joss which um the whole hey big guy sun's going down which is the oh this is kind of poetic it it yeah. doesn't make 100 percent sense but it's poetic and it's sweet so okay well, and that's but then he'll undercut it. So, like, like my my personal favorite little thing, other than uh, the language thing and the and the I'm going to surrender, is is just Tony Stark when he opens up the when he opens up the secret door and goes, "Yay!" 
It's yeah, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just such a. It's just it's so wonderful and cute. But then you do get the twins. Uh, let's talk about our new Avengers. If you want to hear us talk mm-hmm. about the Avengers we've already met, you can listen to our first one. Um, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, show up they are creations by strucker by using the loki pokey stick um mm-hmm. and um we, we, we want to make it very clear they are creations by strucker in no way should they be considered mutations or mutants no, or no, no, any no. They, or any other similar copyrighted material because they are not that, the that is not what Magneto. they are they are no not who's magneto kids. there is no magneto mag who i don't know this magentito but so <laughs> So, so yeah, they, at the same time that this film was coming out, um, Brian Singer, uh, was, um, was working on, um, X-Men Days of Future Past. And as part of X-Men Days of Future Past, he wanted Quicksilver in that film. Um, so they got, uh, because Quicksilver was part of the original Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. He is the son of Magneto. He is clearly in the X-Men camp and Fox should own him. Quicksilver is also, mm-hmm. and his, and his sister, Scarlet Witch has also, they've both been long standing members of the Avengers. Um, they've been the Avengers forever. Uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch had their own comic book. They are married in the comics. They're like, yeah. like they are key members of the Avengers. So legally they kind of both had a right to it. And so they both decided to do it at the same time. In the same year, um, you had yeah. two different versions of Quicksilver. Interestingly, the version of Quicksilver uh, in this movie is played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, who um, who was a kick-ass. And the, uh, oh. the, Quick, the Quicksilver in the other movie, in the kick-ass movies, played kick-ass's best friend. <laughs> well, there you go. So... If you watch Kick-Ass, you will see um, two Quicksilvers. I'm sure sure we will talk about that because that's definitely going to be on our list. um, You shall see Quicksilver's Twain. Yes. um, So uh, I will be the... uh, Let me put it right out there. I like the other Quicksilver better. Um, Um, uh, Quicksilver's scenes in the X-Men movies are beautiful and wonderful and interesting. This one just seems... He's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. I think it's but, a quick. I think that was by design. There was definitely. I mean, uh, it caught me by surprise at the end when he got killed. But at the same time, I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, that makes sense because of the whole Quicksilver." You know, the yeah. Quicksilver was he was there to set up a for he was there to create a rival for Hawkeye, um, and sure. to create a. Um, <laughs> if anything, he was there to to be a reverse fridge for. Uh, Natasha, uh, not Natasha Romanoff, um, to uh, to Wanda. Wanda. Yeah, um, and so I agree with you. No, the the Quicksilver in the other film is far better developed. The Quicksilver in this film serves his role quite well. Um, but jumping from I would that say to so quite well that I would call him perfunctory. You know, between the two of them, you know, it's it's Wanda is clearly the more interesting character. Oh, far um, more and, interesting character. Uh, and, and I just think I th- that and, there's. They did a Go good ahead. job in this, um, knowing what I know of Scarlet Witch, who is one of those uh, characters in the comics that is at once incredibly powerful, but also just unstable enough to be really, really scary. Like, she's, she, to a certain degree, she's kind of in the Hulk camp of the, 
Wow, we're real glad they're on our side. I uh, I hope that lasts. Yeah, um, she, well, she is she is clearly she's the Avengers Jean Grey, right? I mean, that's except she yes, doesn't die. Yeah, uh, yes, that's it exactly. That's a perfect way of putting it. Um, um and I thought, uh, you know, how much is it? Uh, um, I did not know until this film that there was a third Olsen girl. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's, I'd never that's heard of Elizabeth thing. Olsen. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, she's she's the uh, sister to the Olsen twins from Full House. Um, and mm-hmm. I would say uh, the best actors have them. Um, not, not yeah, to well, and she's, their work. She but, clearly but she's was doing. Wonderful. She clearly played very smart by trying to like she flew under the radar in the acting world for a long, long time until she was ready to fully step out. As her own person and as her own style. And man, does she. Uh, I love her work. Well, yeah. And if you watch Godzilla, um, you'll actually see uh, her and Quicksilver together because they're in that movie as well. Um, playing ah. playing uh, a couple, um, interestingly enough. Um, so, so yeah, we have the invasion. The invasion, the jokey, quippy invasion ends with Wanda um, going up to everyone and showing them um, uh, or going up to Tony and showing him a, a, a horrible nightmare and mm-hmm. uh and we get the sort of the mix of that with uh with banners you know crushing feeling about about having been the hulk um taking the film and pulling it down into a darker um mm-hmm. place the well next, i think then uh, this really go ahead well i was going to jump to the next sequence so you you what was your, what was your thought yeah. Oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll take us into the next sequence, because the next sequence is really they're back at the uh, Avengers Mansion, and Tony is deeply affected by the vision that Natasha, or ah, that Wanda gave him. Oh. Um, the, uh, uh, and because of that, and here's where I think, oh, I love what they do with Tony in this film, and that, that they sort of continue, and it really has its, and it continues on into Civil War. Um because Tony is so deeply affected by it, that sense of all my friends died, all of Earth died, and I could have done something and didn't, um, which is, on the surface, kind of a a good heroic thing to feel. Oh, I want to make sure, you know, it's, it's, it's heroic to think, oh man, I want to make sure that I can always do something to help people. The problem is, and is that um, Tony is, I came to realize with this film, Tony is about as megalomaniacal as Dr. Doom. The man has, like, zero doubt about his own ability. And the problem with wanting to do everything you possibly can to help, without factoring in the humility that comes with recognizing human limitation, that is how you create the mad scientist, the mad doctor, Um, which is exactly what Tony becomes here. He creates. Well, I, I think. I think we need to, at the same time, and this is a great place to do it. Um, um, we need to call out the different performance that we're getting from Robert Downey Jr. Um, yes, and I don't know if it's because he did Iron Man three and he was able to, you know, really deal with with Tony's insecurities, which we hadn't seen that much um, up till Iron Man three. Tony was. Jokey, quippy, all the time. Uh, does mother know that you have her drapes? You know that was that was, um, and then and then also in the Avengers, I felt very much like I could feel the tension between what Robert Downey Jr. wanted to do and Joss Whedon going. Listen, I'm writing the words; you say the words. 
Um, mm-hmm. So there were times where I felt Robert Downey Jr. was doing his best to not just be Robert Downey Jr. Um, uh, I feel much more trust between the dialogue. Yes. I feel a much more real. I mean, Tony mm-hmm. has depth in this film that I... You saw a little bit of in Iron Man 3, but Iron Man 3 was kind of like jokey and then crying, joking and then crying. You see a a depth and a darkness, uh, a three-dimensionality to Tony that I have never seen before in this film. Yeah. And that is uh, that is both the writing and I got to say the acting. I got to say that, mm-hmm. that, that there is a naturalism to Tony uh, that I that I love um, yeah. in this. And you're right. It is, he is one step away from being Dr. Doom, except he's got a point. He's got a point. He, he kind of is intuiting that, you know what? There is something so big, so amazingly huge coming um, that we are not prepared for. And we are, that- you know, all of our, all of our efforts, they could turn us off like a light switch. Mm-hmm. And we are but not But the thing is, his great, his great flaw is not necessarily, he doesn't underestimate the threat. Um, nor does he overestimate the threat. Like, no, he is accurate in that threat assessment. His great flaw is that he believes that he can fix it single-handedly. And interesting, and yeah. I, you know, I'm going to be, ju- I'm going to be, I'm going to be jumping back and forth uh, throughout this film. Um, because I really want, because I want to talk about some of the character development in this because there's so much great stuff. So, and here's the thing that is both interesting and maddening which is so in a desire to protect the earth he takes this ai thing or something that's not even an ai something he can sort of put into an ai thing and in um and completely untested really puts it into a situation where it is given really easy access to the outside world um and now there is a lot of ai ethics and philosophy being discussed uh, in computer science circles nowadays, um, you know, tons of it. Really fascinating. I encourage anybody to uh, to Google if you want to go wiki diving for a while. The transhuman movement, um, which is you know really devoted to the ethics and of to what degree is human is humanity's future bound up in technology. Um, like, even though there are different opinions on whether or not AI is totally good or totally bad or something, just about anyone with any sense, certainly with the amount of sense that uh, Tony would have, with the amount of technology knowledge that he has, who would say, if you are dealing with AI on this level, you need to be unbelievably careful. Um, And he's not. And, you know, and granted, part of that's just sort of, you know, for the convenience of the film. But then what I love slash hate is that halfway through the film, he's he recognize, he's able to admit to admit his past mistakes. He's able to say, "Oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that, but let me fix it by doing the exact same thing uh, by making the vision." Now again, it turns out that this time around, what he does is actually for the good. But what you don't see in, when so when Tony is trying to when Tony is talking to Banner about creating the vision. What you do not see is in any way him, his confidence in his ability to create a solution is in no way shaken by the fact that the solution that he just created is now devastating the planet. And what's, um, and what's frustrating in that, and I can see why you'd be frustrating, is that the film does not 
take the time to portray him as wrong in this case. Like, like, yeah. like you well, get, you because get, uh, it just, Ban- Banner, it, Banner questions him for like 30 seconds and then goes along with him. But, uh, but, mm-hmm. but you don't, you, you know, there's a way you could have shot, acted, directed the scene that would have made it when Tony was doing it again, seem much more, you know, there, there's a scene in Jurassic Park where Richard, Richard App- Attenborough is talking to Laura Dern, uh, over ice cream. And he goes, he goes, he goes, he looks and he goes, next time, next time it'll be perfect. Next time mm-hmm. we'll get it right. And you get from this lovely little old man, you get this, you get the sense of, of, of the, of the megalomania um, there. Yeah. And you don't get it from Tony. They don't play it that way. They, play they don't it play it. Tony is, there's an undercurrent Tony's of it there. You have to learned. see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what, what hit me was, um, which of course now has me looking for examples of this in real life too is it's not that Tony cannot admit that he does wrong. Um, It's that, sure, in hindsight, Tony can look and say, oh yeah, I screwed that up. The problem is, is that in no way does he ever take that lesson that he learned in hindsight and apply it to his assessment of whether he's right in the future. Like, he will look it to the past and say, "Yes, I made some right decisions and some wrong decisions." But when he's thinking about him, but when he's thinking about future decisions, they are always right. Yeah, and and it is frustrating that he ends up being right in the creation of of the village. I mean, it, it's there's no there are no consequences to him not learning his lesson, and mm-hmm. to date, there are no consequences about him yeah. not learning his lesson. When we get to well, that- civil war that's not what we're talking about anymore um mm-hmm. uh so it's so yeah i think i think that it's you know at the same time it is interesting to see someone make mistakes and make mistakes and and be as flawed as he is and i get the sense that you know we're we are not always supposed to like tony um which is yeah. a brave way to go when he is clearly He's the guy. He is. He is well, the Marvel guy. So to ultimately, make him less likable, brave. Yeah. Well, and it's not even less likable to me. It's um, it's uh, Tony is in many ways he is a true mythic hero. Uh, there's the term hubris, which when we use it in today's uh, you know, in today's language, when we say somebody possesses hubris, it is essentially we're talking about somebody having unwarranted pride in themselves. Uh, where hubris comes from is when you go back to the old Greek myths, the standard the standard arc of every major Greek hero, um, you know, Achilles, Hercules, uh, all of these things, is they would, they would have this tremendous rise, they would do these great things, but they always had a tragic flaw or a hubris which brought them down in the end. Now, frequently that tragic flaw had to do with their own pride in themselves. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, like this is a classic case of, of heroic hubris in Tony. Um, so I think it, it makes him, you know, ethically, it makes him a flawed character. But in doing that, it, it elevates him to this level of really deep, interesting hero. Uh, which he, like, which I'm before he was just fun to watch. So yeah, and now yeah, it's. I'm, and I, I think you needed to do that because you know if it was just jokey Tony all the time, 
I think that it's it's not going to sustain. We'd, we'd had a lot of films of Jokey Tony by now. Yeah. Um. So uh. So back at Avengers, uh, before before Ultron does attack, um, uh, there are two scenes I want to talk about really briefly. Uh, one is the party scene, uh, which which is fun, and and the big party scene is fun. The small party scene about trying to lift Thor's hammer. Oh, the uh, hammer, not only sets that up a wonderful so moment at the end, um, but everyone trying and failing and the fun that they're having. The my favorite moment, of course, of course it is, is when Captain America nudges the hammer to the side, mm-hmm. and Thor, yeah, Thor's oh, the look fear. on Thor's face, <laughs> like what? Which of and course then, has you know, like now every now you know everyone on uh, the boards is suddenly discussing. Okay, so could Captain America have lifted it, but realized it and then didn't, so that he wouldn't, you know, hurt his friend, or yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it's it's. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's that's so it's, much head. It's cannon, just fun, but it's just fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, and then at the same time, the awakening of Ultron is such an interesting scene. Um, it's a scene that that doesn't belong in an Avengers movie, which is why I love it so much. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Ultron, you know, where am I? Who am I? Where, what is this place that I'm in? This is weird. Hold on, let me check. You know, the everything that the the conversation with him and Jarvis is dark. Mm-hmm. And and is uh, and is is just really fascinating. And I would say that most yeah. of the time when Ultron speaks, I'm fascinated by what oh, he's yeah. doing. And I don't I don't know if that's Spader um, or if it's just or, or if it's just the writing or if it's all of it. If Joss kind of found Ultron's voice and was like, oh, my gosh, Ultron, I, this is such an interesting mm-hmm. guy to write. I don't know. Well, what's it is going definitively on, a, so great. It is. Let's also say a whole lot co- more compelling the 90% of the ways that Ultron is depicted in the comics, which is very much the 1980s destroy all humans kind of approach. Yeah, this is this is um, such an unexpected villain and and his awakening and, and his, dare I say, humanity is, you know, there's a point later on where where you know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch turn on him and leave and he runs up and goes, guys, guys! Like, it's... Yeah. The last thing you would expect, you would not expect the villain of the Avengers movie to be going, guys, it's just not what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, he subverts that, but that his his awakening scene, and I don't mean the very dramatic, you know, where he goes out and the robots attack, which that is fine. It's a it's a good mm-hmm. enough action scene. But the 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 conversation between him and Jarvis is uh is great. Yeah. There's a there's there's a fight. You get to see them sort of fight all of the all of the you know the robots and then after they fight the robots there's a, an argument between steve and tony because of course there is um again one too many arguments between steve and tony like like i do feel like marvel stepped in and was like hey Josh, entirely possible uh, yeah the next movie is going to be civil war and we just can you have a couple of arguments it went so well last time you had one argument last time let's have you know five this time um and and the arguments are often in the same room in the same context of the same thing happening at the same time so it's it's you know it's my the only argument i really love between the two of them is the is the one at at hawkeye's house um so they go uh the 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 robots all escape uh they have their arguments and then they go to wakanda because again marvel said hey we need we're doing a black panther film coming up and we need to lay the groundwork for that film too. So like, and that's, you know, I hate when I see the hand of a studio in a film. I, it really, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, and, and you and I've talked about this before and I've certainly talked about this over on Trek off that, that 
I have a problem sometimes with plays. I certainly have um, have a hard time watching a play where the actors enter from behind the audience. Um, I need my fourth wall. I need it to be 100% believable. Um, when I feel the hand of the money pushing an agenda within a film, and you feel that mm -hmm. in action movies. You, know, you feel that in a film where you go, oh, they're doing this because they want more toys to sell. They're doing this because they're, you know, what, you know when I, I am in the process right now of, of showing the original Spider-Man to my youngest son, and at one point you just see, you know, an extended shot of Peter trying to get some Dr. Pepper to come up to his hand and just go, mm -hmm. you know, or, or in, in, in agents of shield this like two weeks ago, um, there were like three shots of captain crunch. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, you just get the sense that, that there's money behind it. And it, it always bothered me. So when I feel this desire to go to Wakanda, I can't imagine that Joss was like, you know what I want to do. I'm going to have the Avengers in the middle of the story go over to Wakanda. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like something mm -hmm. that is organic. Agreed? Yeah. Agreed. Let me, uh, that being said, and I'm, I'm not going to delve into it too much here because we'll have an entire other movie to do it. Um, let me give a serious shout out to what Andy Serkis does with the character of Claw in this. Um, sure, the, yeah. Uh, oh, man, what a tremendous robber baron warlord uh, he is. And yeah, uh, no, he's he's he does great with Claw here so much so that, you know, spoilers for Black Panther. I wish there was more of him. Um, yeah, because he's he's so he's so fun. Um, mm -hmm. The scene in Wakanda. The thing I noticed in the scene in Wakanda is the CGI seemed unfinished. Um, hmm, I didn't know. But go on. And largely you can take this scene out of of the movie minus the Hulk versus Iron Man scene. Um, which could have happened anywhere, anytime. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, I noticed immediately Ultron did not look real. I noticed that his that that the the CGI on the Avengers when when uh, Quicksilver is going fast, it all looked a little unfinished, and it really made me wonder in the context of also how I felt about the scene of whether or not this scene was shoehorned in at the very end. It's entirely um, possible. Um, if if maybe, you know, if maybe like she was supposed to, because if you look at how like sort of disturbed uh, Banner seems that after the first scene, um, you kind of wonder if maybe what was supposed to have happened is that Scarlet Witch messed with Banner's head in that first scene and then the Hulk went nuts there. And that was like you kind of wonder if maybe that was the original way that it went because there's a there is a while the scene is fine and and the writing is very interesting and it has again one of my favorite lines you you let me let me stop what I'm doing to tell you my evil plan I, I'm, you know, I'm that, glad it's, you it's, brought that I'm glad you brought that up because I'd like to tell you about my evil plan <laughs> yeah it's it's great yeah. and 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 the characterizations are great but you do seeing that the CGI all looked unfinished and seeing that is once again, Wanda's going around and making people see visions. Um, you so sort of wonder, you sort of wonder if this was a studio pushing Josh to, to change what he was doing to add yeah. more Marvel universe into it. Cause it doesn't need to be Wakanda. The vibranium wanna... thing is, is yeah. Is that, that, the, 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 it's uh, it's remove it's every single reference to, Sorry, it's applied I was full bottom. Remove every 
every reference to to vibranium in the entire film and it still would work you didn't need to say oh yeah. I'm, you're made of vibranium now and the thing pulling sokovia up is also made of vibranium like it feels mm-hmm. like the script was done and someone's like hey can you say vibranium like here and here and here and here and here and here yeah because we're we setting up a lot for, yeah yeah i so, want to talk um, a bit about uh i want to um I agree with you. That's that does seem kind of shoehorned in, especially when you factor in that it's like, oh, this is the second time that Wanda. This is the second time in forty-five minutes that Wanda is messing with people's heads. Um, something I'd forgotten until I saw it again: the the fight between the Hulk and Tony, on one level, was incredibly well done. Um, what you were talking about uh, last episode about like sometimes what you live for is watching the two superheroes fight each other. Um, <coughs> This was that it was tremendous. People had been looking forward to the Hulkbuster armor for so long and seeing it in action was wonderful. All that being said, I think um the movie did a it seriously misjudged a tonal shift in this. Um I think it made some in this scene, I think it made some serious emotional mistakes. Um in that, and this is mostly from, uh, I'll say most of this was observations that uh, my wife Kelly made uh, as we were watching it for the first time. Um, and what I like about watching these things with her is because she's not a huge comic book fan. She's not even a huge action film fan. It means that her reaction to seeing on-screen violence is going to be a whole lot less jaded than mine is. Because action films are what I've watched since I was eight. Um, the final moments of the battle between Tony and the Hulk pretty much involved. We are given a, you know, many shots of a skyscraper coming down, then cutting to shots of civilians running from the oncoming dust cloud. Now, I mean, and pretty much for any American watching that in the audience, there is only one there, there is just like one iconic event that immediately comes to your mind when you see that. And if that was what Joss was going for in that moment, then yes, it was achieved, but I don't think it was necessary for him to go that far. And especially then, what really kills it for me is that after the skyscraper has fallen, Hulk is looking around, he's seeing all of the civilians run, we see the moment of regret on his face, but then we get the sudden jump cut uh, of Iron Man's punch, which generates laughter from the audience. So what you've just done is taken this moment that arguably went a little bit too far in its emotional impact and then pulled it all back in order to get a laugh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it's, it's deliberately referencing 9-11. I think that what 9-11 gave you um, as filmmakers um is you now had a reference point of what happens when a disaster happens to mm-hmm. a building in a major city. Well, so, then let me jump in so, real quick there and say, if they didn't deliberately reference 9-11, then they should have known better to know that that's where most, act- where most audiences' minds would go. Yeah. Sorry, Somehow, go Joss managed to have destruction of skyscrapers in New York without referencing 9-11 in the first Avengers movie. It didn't Very feel true. like that. And they're, not, they're, not remotely. I think it was the lack of dust and smoke. I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, when I think of 9-11, I think, you know, 
of the shots of the of of the 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 dust cloud chasing people through the streets. It's it's, it's uh, about the dust cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It it adds a level of of realism that's a little a little tough. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, the the fight between them was fine. Um, you know, it's it's weird when you want something so much and you expect it so much, and then when it happens, you get it, and you're like, well, that's what I like. What? It's not surprising. It's not mm-hmm. awesome. Because, oh, it's the disappointment. Like, it's it's the disappointment of having been given literally exactly what you wanted. And I don't think there's anything Joss could have done different. I don't think there's anything that, like that fight, can only be one kind of fight. Um, yeah. I do like that. You know, this is this is post Man of Steel, so I do like that. There's so much reference of like, make sure people are clear. Don't like mm-hmm. like they heard. I this is a movie that that a heard the 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 criticism of Man of Steel and b watched the honest movie trailer of the first Avengers movie because mm-hmm. they you, they do like put in earpieces there's a shot of them putting in earpieces which makes me like <laughs> the, 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 just just did watch that's really interesting um mm-hmm. um so yeah so they they have that fight um and uh and so now the world hates the avengers because of 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 that of of, of the resulting destruction from that fight um it's interesting how the world forgets that it was saved and that there was yes there were some fatalities and that's you know problematic but that the avengers did their best to stop said fatalities you know oh well that's straight up human that is straight up human nature right there there's two things there's especially as americans but just as humans there are two things we love doing the first is setting up gods on pedestals and the second is tearing them down knocking them down yeah yeah so so the the afterward they have to go to the the most controversial section of the film which is the the timeout at Hawkeye's house you mm-hmm. either love it or you don't love it um yeah if you're people like us i think who we like plays we're steeped in theater you and i both have degrees in theater um uh we we in we're both joss fans um we like people sitting around and talking. That's something that we really like. We um, like the kitchen table. If you skew older, you might like this more. Um, if you mm-hmm. skew younger, or if you're in this, you know, if you're the fast and the few, if you're the if you're the person who loves the Hulk versus Iron Man, says, "What do you mean? It's only mad. This is what I'm here for." If that's what you're here for, and then you get this, you might be like, um, "It's boring." Mm-hmm. This scene might seem like an enormous misstep to you. And I get that. Um, Like that, that follows to me, right? Does that, do you yeah. see why, do you see why people might not like this scene? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, because it's, it's suddenly for people who are familiar with Joss Whedon, it's just, oh, and this is the scene where the characters just sit around and talk to each other. And that's cool because it brings out more of the, you know, it brings out, aspects of the character that we wouldn't have seen through action films. But if you do not know Joss Whedon's style, there's definitely a sense of what the hell, this has no place in an action film. Um, yeah. So and, yeah, and I, there was th- a lot I think of a talking lot of in Avengers, but in the talking Avengers, everybody always had to be in the place where they were. This is a movie where literally people are just kicking back. People are just having mm-hmm. a rest. Um, yeah. So um, it's, it's at a this bold point choice. that Thor... It's it's at this point that Thor leaves, which is mm-hmm. weird. It's just yeah, 
you know. Yeah, I mean, it, like seriously, that's that whole thing is just sort of like it's weird, especially now looking back on it from having watched Ragnarok is like at first as I was watching it as I was watching Age of Ultron in the theater, I was like, well, clearly they're setting up Thor Ragnarok right now. Except nothing about the actual film of Thor Ragnarok had anything to do with all of this stuff that Thor went to go do in yeah. Age of Ultron. So yeah, now no, it feels doubly needless. Um, and then, and, and again, the Nick Fury cameo seems, seems shoehorned in. Um, hey kids, it's uh, Nick Fury. I frankly don't know what Nick Fury's status is. You know, he's he starts this movie off basically going, I'm not director of anything. I'm just a guy. I'm just a regular old guy. At the end of the movie, he's at Avengers headquarters just hanging out. Um, After having flown there in a helicarrier? I don't know. And then he has not shown up once since this movie in anything. He's not in Civil War. He has oh, not yeah. Been in, he's, he's been absent. And his upcoming he's going to be in the upcoming Captain Marvel movie, but that one's set back in the 80s. So it's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, not now. He's not in Infinity War. Um, you know, I think that that it's it's really interesting the 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 those two problems that I have because there are two things that I love in this. One, I this is the the Cap uh, Tony scene that I love. This is great. This is mm-hmm. them talking, um, philosophizing, them arguing in this way. They seem. Like a Republican and a Democrat brothers who yeah. get together at Thanksgiving and who's who mm-hmm. feel so heatedly toward what they believe that they are, you know, that they're getting heated with one another. But but underneath it, there's still this sense is, of we're family. Yeah, that that I really feel it here and that that I really, really love. And then everything with Hawkeye. When did oh, Hawkeye become family. my favorite guy? His family and then him for the rest of the film from this moment. Yes. Forward. Oh man, the speech that the the, uh, the pep talk that he gives to Wanda at the end, I had forgotten just how good that was. Like because it's both both moving and it's it's also got my favorite maybe my favorite line of the film because because I'm on an island I'm an island floating in the sky surrounded by killer robots and I've got a bow and arrow None and of I've this got a makes bow sense. and arrow none of this makes any sense it's just yeah there's definitely a sense of self awareness there I want to talk a bit um, about. Uh, one thing that really struck me with uh, Hawkeye's wife, uh, who I, I'm sad to say I forgot her name, but in many ways, she is, clearly she's, I mean, she is the farm wife. She is the archetype of the army wife who stays behind while the soldier goes off to war. Um, and yet, there were things that they did with the character that were different. At no point does she say, or even wish, uh, or d- does she say or imply, "I wish you didn't have to go." Do you have to? Do you have to be a warrior? Could 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 you be something else? Couldn't you just stay home? She says right off, like she says very clearly, um, "I've never had a problem with you avenging. I could not be prouder of you for it." The By only the way, thing I that love, she says I love, is, "I love the use of avenging as a verb. It's great." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's great. Um, but and then she's saying she all she's saying is just like just be aware. Be careful. Are you sure this is the team? And she says, that's the thing. All I'm asking is, are you sure? And if you're sure, then I am 100% behind you, come what may. Uh, And that is, I think that is a much, that is a tremendously strong uh, stance 
um, and really cements her as being this this powerful uh, supporting character for Hawkeye. Um, you really well, see the I, sense of the two of that. You get the, you really get the sense of the two of them as a team. I think now is a good point time to point out because she was one of the major things the the criticism yeah, the anti feminist criticism this. Mm-hmm. that came to Joss Whedon. Um, and there were three right. instances in the film. Uh, one. Oh wait, wait. But, but, the, before, sorry, real quick. Before we do this, we need to. Uh, I, you know, I really should write like some kind of jingle music for this or something. But and now is the time on Totally Super where two straight white men discuss social progress and how it relates to feminism. Go. Um, uh, the P- Joss came under criticism for uh, in the party. There's a joke that Tony throw a line. He goes, first thing I'm going to do is. Oh, yeah. Prima Nocta, um, mm-hmm. Prima Nocta was, you know, it's best shown in Braveheart. If you want to see what Prima mm-hmm. Nocta is, um, it's the, the that that on the night of someone getting married, the king uh, had the the king of the Lord had the right to uh, to have sex with the, the wife before the guy. It's a it's a it's a form mm-hmm. of it's an form of medieval institutional rape um mm-hmm. uh i think that it is absolutely something tony would say we're meant to laugh mm-hmm. at it it came under the same criticism as thor saying you know i'm adopted uh in or he's adopted in the first uh avengers movie it's a throwaway line but it does mm-hmm. you know it's it came at the wrong time in our culture um it's a it's a textbook where, it's a textbook example of microaggression yeah, and it's, and he like cl- clearly Joss didn't mean anything by it, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, but there it is. It's 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 out there. Um, it's if I had dro- if I had dropped that line in conversation, um, you know, with some of my friends, which and I'll be honest, I probably have dropped several lines similar to that in joking conversation with friends. It's the kind of thing where somebody could say, where you know, I would count on one of my other friends to be like, "Hey, dude, um, yeah, kind of a rape joke," and then I would be like, "Oh." Oh, you're right. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I um, won't do that one again. Like it's it's not yeah. a you know, I have not de- well, I have like, not read it, a, it, yeah. In 2007 nobody would have called that out. Nobody would have thought about that as being mm-hmm. a, but we're yeah. we're at a point where we are I think we're at a point where society is deliberately trying to redefine itself in in this Which is a real area. I mean, that's a testament to how far we've come in such a short time. But yes. Um but but so the the second thing that is problematic is that that Black Widow is put in a cage to go be rescued, literally becomes a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have an out for you here. Uh, that could have been anybody. That should have been Hawkeye. That should have been Hawkeye. Hawkeye mm-hmm. should have been the one. He's the one that we're we're connected to. He has the same capabilities. Like the, if you flip the two of them, you know, I guess she has the capability to bring Hulk back. But if you had mm-hmm. made it Hawkeye, it would have been way stronger. There's a there's well, a especially after having shown Hawkeye's wife. Yeah. Um. The the third, I guess there are four things. The third thing is uh is the forcible the the forcible sterilization of uh of Black Widow. Again, you know, there's something rapey about it. Um, and it's brutalizing mm-hmm. a female character to, in a pseudo sexual way to make you feel for her. It was an unnecessary thing. And then there's a conversation where she says, we're both monsters, which some in feminist circles took to mean, okay, if you're a woman, you can't have kids. You therefore must be a monster. I think that's overreaching. I I think, no, I, to me, it was very, my interpretation with where she said, we're both monsters was very clear. It's like, no, she is, 
She was trained to be a hired and soulless assassin, and for much of her life, that's exactly what she was. Like, yeah. that's her um, monstrosity. Um, but, but, but the sterilization was unneeded. You didn't need to go to that. We didn't I think need you're to be right. talking yeah. about her uterus. Yeah, we didn't I mean, the thing is, they had, shown, they had shown so many great examples in the flashbacks and the, like in her mind of the, horrible, of the horrible stuff that they put her through that I, I, in some ways it was meant for the sterilization to be sort of like the cherry on top of the torture cake. Um, it was meant to be like the crowning piece of, oh, and this is the worst thing that they did to me. Um, where arguably you could say, hey, when we made you kill that guy um, just on yeah. our orders, that's arguably... I, think, I, just, that's... I just think it's a, it's a step you didn't need to take to say mm-hmm. I, it's an attack on it's an attack on your feminine womanhood, which it, her whole thing has not been feminine woman. It, it's it's not... Yeah. It's not... Like she is, you know... And, and, and then the fact that she's the one who's talking with Hulk about possibly going away and that she's damseled, it's not... Mm-hmm. It's not strong. It's not yeah, strong. Now, she's- here's the thing with the damned. I was looking at this because I'll be honest. Like when I first saw that, when I first watched through the film, I had no problems with uh, any of the ways that Romanoff was treated. Um, and when I first was reading some of the reviews and the critiques, I was a little surprised by it. Um, so I'm specific. So the second time going through, I'm going back specifically looking for those instant instances of damseling. Um, the the argument about, you know, because on one argument you could say, oh, the woman shouldn't have been the one captured. Uh, but then, of course, there's also the argument of, well, you know, in a truly equal, you know, in a truly equal society or something, it doesn't matter whether it's the woman or the man who's captured. It just, it's just somebody who's captured. Um, I don't want to delve into that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about what my emotional reaction was seeing her getting captured. Um you know, we'd, we'd talked about this in uh, the episode where we talked about the crow a couple weeks ago, about that sense of good guy protectionism that can somehow get activated. Um, and I realized, even just watching this a week ago, the act of seeing her being, being swept away and captured um, in the moment, it triggered a slight but legitimate emotional response of oh no we've got to save her um i think which, here's the thing the the missed opportunity though with what we just did with hawkeye you would have felt that for him too i and you're right it's and i think that yeah because the thing is is that but that way i would have felt that for him but it would have been earned by the story whereas that emotional response that got triggered for me with uh, natasha it's because she was a pretty girl I can be honest and say, no, it's because I have a lifetime of conditioning saying we need to protect the weak, pretty girl. Yeah. And I Again, think that all of this is relatively small. Um, you know, I don't think I think a lot of this was a misstep on Joss's part. I do not in any way see this as a massive betrayal of everything that he has fought for. No, here I th- I guess the thing is is Joss Joss's whole thing at the beginning of Buffy, the 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 thing was is that you thought that you were damseling Darla in the first episode and then he subverted the trope. In this case, he went to the trope and and did it. 
And so you say, oh, yeah, yeah well, it could have been if you're going to be truly equal, it can be a man or a woman that's captured. And I go, OK, well, if you're going to be truly equal, then you have six Avengers. And the one who is the woman is can't is captured and taken mm, out of fair point the fair one, point the one the one who is the woman who we just found out about the destruction of her uterus as being the worst <laughs> thing ever is then captured you know then, then then captured and by the way you've had the less than progressive uh image of a housewife now i'm gonna say this i have no problem and i think that it is anti-feminist in my opinion to have a problem with hawkeye's wife some mm. did like going and of course the other woman you show is a housewife well, well, you know what? I think there is not enough portrayal of strong, healthy housewife slash house husband relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see more more house husband relationships. Frankly, yeah, um, absolutely. I want to see. I want to see the the idea of going. You know what? This is you know. Let's face it. We live in a world where there are plenty of housewives it must be nice to see yourself represented on screen as being strong and valid and important mm-hmm. and in charge and in no way secondary to, to Hawkeye. Um, mm-hmm. But in a world where Nat also gets captured and there's also the prima Nacta joke. And we've also talked about the destruction of the uterus being such a big thing. I think that yeah, we are point. now at the point where we go, where, where we're Joss, so so yeah, maybe is, maybe it's not a minor. Who Josh who's been conditioned then. in the same way that you are conditioned, and and I am conditioned, and has had the strength to battle against that and everything that he's done. I think he's tired at this point, and I think mm-hmm. that that the stress on him maybe is causing him to not be as careful as he would have otherwise been. Um, well, it's the. Uh... Uh, yeah, actually, um, to to step back from that one and talk about it from a grander sense, what I just said about, uh, you know, there's one thing that, you know, or there's two things we Americans love doing. It's creating our heroes and then tearing them down, um, which is which is not to say in any way that the criticisms that have been leveled against Joss Whedon in recent uh, in recent times are unwarranted. Far from it. Um, but there is a sense of. What was the line from Dark Knight, which is like, um, you start as the hero, but if you stay in you stay in the fight long enough, you live to see yourself become the villain. Something. Well, like and that. I, you know, if I don't want to spend too long on the saucy allegations made against Joss Whedon by his ex-wife, but mm-hmm. the, there, it came at an unfortunate time in history for Joss. Um, in yeah. that, it tells a story of of. Of a man, you know, if she is to be believed, and this is uh, alleged, basically the allegation is that he is a he is a man who was attracted to young pretty girls and he cheated on me with them. And that came at the same time as the Kevin Spacey allegations, like in the same mm-hmm. like three week period. Um, yeah. Not saying it's OK. Devotion to your spouse, I think, is very, very important as a human being. I think that mm-hmm. it is, I think that it is the, you know, in my opinion, the most sacred bond you ever make. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he's not Roman Polanski. Let us, yeah. Let us not paint him with the same brush. Um, yeah. And say that his, that, that his goal toward feminism has been all for naught or tear him down as a filmmaker. Um, you know, he's, he's taken a lot of hits. It's 2018. He, he mm-hmm. co-wrote and co-directed justice league was going to do Batgirl. has been summar- summarily fired for that film from that film. Like he's like, he is, he's got a career in need of recovery at this point. Yeah. Um, well, it is and, not and uncommon. Movie- um, and actually again, uh, 
Look at this, I'm going to find a way to bring it back to old Greek myths and heroes and everything. Um, it is not at all uncommon, both in legend and in actual real life, for the arc of somebody's career or the arc of somebody's impact on the world to be that they had years and years and years of doing these, of either doing tremendous films, you know, like uh, of being an amazing actor or an amazing director or being a tremendous force for good, a tremendous social progressive or something like that. But then in their final twilight years, either being dated or just that's not when they were putting out their best work or, you know, like the, as we get towards the end of our respective careers, that's usually when the mistakes that we often get remembered for happen. Yeah. Um, um, John Stewart, I, and again, John Stewart very wisely pulled himself from the Daily Show because he realized, holy crap, I am getting too bitter and angry to do this job well. Um, it is the, on the one hand, I think it's important to recognize it is very human to reach a point where you should no longer, where you should no longer be the one in the driver's seat of the movement that even you started. Um, and on the other hand, it's important for us to remember we should also strive to remember the good that people do, um, even if the last memory we have of them was an evil, if that makes and sense. Let's, let's be clear. We're not saying that Joss is done. I think he's going to do something great still. I have, I have Most likely, yeah. Um, we've, about, we've about 10 minutes left in our podcast, so we're going we're gonna to race right through to the end. Um, there's the creation of vision, which we discussed before, the use of the Mind Stone. Paul Bettany is great in the role. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Thor comes back and again for reasons unknown uh, because of stuff that he saw decides he should make vision I guess um, yeah maybe uh, and and they go to Sokovia um, where they evacuate people big reveal the helicarrier as we discussed before uh, Ultron's plan is to pull Sokovia up and then drop it down and create an extinction level event uh, and sorry real quick together, when I saw it when I was watching the helicarrier appear again for a moment, I was just in my brain imagining your son right next to me going, oh, my God, it's the Helicarrier. It's the Helicarrier. Yeah, um, uh, the uh, Tony and Thor uh, managed to destroy Sokovia before it can smash into the earth. But still, I'm sure there's a lot of rocks falling down. Um, you know, it's <laughs> like a lot of rocks. Someone's getting someone's getting hurt by by that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and at the end, uh, Thor. Uh, Thor returns to Asgard. Uh, Tony uh, goes a separate way, but not before, um, not before Vision has a wonderful final scene with uh, with Ultron. Their conversation at the end, is oh yeah, beautiful. It's 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 safe to say it's beautiful um, mm -hmm. about the nature of humanity. Just just again, poetry. You know, things are not beautiful because they last. Yeah. Um, uh, there is there is real beauty and real humanity, and I feel sad for Ultron. Like you almost wish that Ultron could be like rehabilitated, like he's mm -hmm. he's like he's scared of dying. He doesn't want this to happen, and he really feels that we've, as human beings, have messed it up. And you know, he kind of can't believe he's in the situation where he is. So yeah, you know, it's 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 beautiful and sad and tragic. Um, Hulk. Uh, is on a Quinjet and goes off to places unknown. I guess Quinjets can go to space. Um, I think we'll so. go with it. I, yeah. We'll go with it. I guess. Um, uh, and uh, and credits roll. Um, at the end, after we see the new Avengers being assembled, mm -hmm. uh, being uh, 
not assembled. Yeah, and and uh, we have the exact uh, pretty much everything I said in the last episode about restraint in saying in finishing lines that can be applied in this moment too. Avengers, yeah. Um, it's, it's I would just love. Great. I could uh, imagine like the one person in the crowd being like, "What? What do you want them to do?" Yeah. Um, and then you get a mid mid credit scene. Um, by the way, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful um ending credit scene of like a statue it's really cool um it's really neat uh the 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 statue scene that they have but then you have oh yeah um uh, thanos shows up and says i'll do it myself in one of the least satisfying mid-credit scenes ever um it's just like okay yeah we we, we knew that was going to happen so i guess mm-hmm. you're just sort of pushing it forward a little bit and that's avengers age of, age of ultron um yeah uh, so when we get to the end of, of our reviews, we always like to talk about uh, uh, where we'd rate it on a scale of one to five, uh, with uh, five being the ultimate best in best movie um, ever, uh, good for humanity and and a beauty to behold um, or important, and one being you know you know not just a bad movie but uh, but actively destructive um mm-hmm. in some way uh that's you know like like it can either be bad for people or it can be you know like like you know you know spoiler alert from when we review uh the third x-men movie but uh a movie that 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 takes something good and makes it worse so that's our scale of one to five so on a scale of uh, uh on a scale of one to five infinity stones <laughs> <laughs> How would you rate uh, Avengers Age of Ultron? Oh man, you're messing with my head because I'm just like, it has to be a one to six scale if it's infinity. St- ah, nerding out. Um, I would give this, so if you remember with Avengers, I gave Avengers a four based on purely my personal experience of it, but a 4.5 based on what uh because of what it did for superhero films in general, because of how impactful and important a film it was. Um, you know what? I might change my mind about this over time, but having just rewatched Age of Ultron, I'm going to give it a straight up 4.5, just straight. It was not as important as Avengers and what it did. I had a better experience with it. So, um, yeah, 4.5. I, I- I, I'm I'm with you. I will give it a 4.5 as well. I'm going to rate it just slightly under Avengers, which I gave a mm-hmm. 5. Which you um, gave a 5 to, yeah. It, it wasn't as important. Um, it wasn't... Uh, it certainly did not advance the the superhero genre in the way that Avengers did. Um, it uh, So it wasn't as much of a cultural touchstone, which is what you need to pull something up to a 5. It is not a... A nearly perfect film as Avengers was. Um, uh, it wasn't. It, it was bolder, and it was. It strove for more, but it made more mistakes. Avengers, you know, you can have a perfect hamburger and an imperfect, you know, seven course meal. Um, mm-hmm. Avengers gave me everything that I wanted. This gave me most of what I wanted. Some stuff that I didn't necessarily want, but the stuff that it gave me was beautiful. The dialogue is better. Like I said, the acting is better. The action is better. The characters are better. Um, and this is an easier film to rewatch. I think, I think Avengers yeah. after a few times, you it's, get it, kind of get done everything with you can, you can get everything you got from it. Um, I think on first viewing, I liked Avengers better. Um, uh, if I were to like, if, if I were to have never seen Avengers or Avengers age of Ultron and I watched Avengers on a Saturday and Ultron on a Sunday, I would have liked Avengers better. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think on rewatching, there's so much nuance in here. Um, yeah. There's so much to enjoy um, from the dialogue. Ultron is is a spectacular villain that gets forgotten as we name Marvel I, villains. Yeah, I can't believe, like, I mean, we could have spent 30 minutes just talking about Ultron's dialogue and Spader's delivery. We really could. Um, uh, so so I'm going to give it a straight point, point, four point five. Um, I think ultimately the question, is it better than Avengers? Um, I'm going to say it's probably not better than Avengers, but it is more lasting if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah um you know it it's 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 hard to quantify um the the beautiful mess that is Avengers Age of Ultron well, you know what it's nothing... me, it kind of reminds me it's the difference between Fellowship of the Ring and Return of the King Fellowship yeah. of the Ring was a nigh on perfect film to my end they did nothing wrong with it um, Return of the King has some has some plot holes you could drive a truck through. It has a couple very poor yeah. cinematographic decisions, and yet is also because it was the culmination of three incredible films. Return of the King just went places that Fellowship couldn't go. Um, yeah, it was it was it was ambitious. Both this, film from, is amb- yeah. this, this film is ambitious in a way that Avengers is not, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't achieve all of its ambitions. So, you know, yeah. it's, you know, it's a law of averages, right? Right. Right. Avengers gives you a 10 out of 10. And this movie gives you a fifth. This movie gives you a, a 58 out of 60, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they're just mm-hmm. quite, quite simply, there's more it's trying to do. So, of course, there's stuff it's not getting as well. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So that is yeah. Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, uh, we're recording this on the 19th of uh recording this on the 19th of april and we will be uh um we will be posting this probably on the 20th uh of april which means that uh we're going to record again early next week um and try and give you a very brief uh um expectations for avengers infinity war uh Mm -hmm. before you go see it and then of course avengers infinity war comes out uh later next week and we will be uh reviewing that um probably the morning after it comes out the morning so, after uh, yeah. so so stay tuned um, i have my tickets uh, for the nine o'clock in the morning show uh but for now uh as we end uh um i don't want to say stay super i just want to say avengers yeah i yeah, just you know, oh no here no here here's how we do it get ready get, get first i'm arthur and i'm justin Hey, true believers, stay. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not safe for work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment.